Hello and welcome to McLeod Insights, where we feature conversations with longtime industry veterans who are now team members here at McLeod Software. Our goal with this podcast is to support and empower our customers by helping them learn about proven ideas and best practices that will help them have a positive impact on how they run their companies. In today's episode, our focus is going to be on analyzing profitability. And today we're talking with Jody Farley and Mike Masteller. Guys, if you can tell us about the role you have now and maybe a bit about how you got started in the industry. Yeah, Robert, uh, you know, my name is Mike Masteller, and yeah, I've been with McLeod uh, about a year and a half now. And I started my role in, uh, at McLeod in sales services. And uh, you know, really what I do is I... I help our sales team really demonstrate to our customers and uh, prospecting customers on the best ways to utilize our system and impact best practices. Uh, so I do a lot of um, you know benchmarking, talking with customers on how are you doing your business today, what are your requirements, and then what's that going to mean in uh, your cloud system. You know, I got started in the industry uh, right out of high school. So, you know, 18 years old, uh, started loading trucks at, at UPS and, uh, you know, worked my way up at UPS very quickly. And, uh, the day I turned 21 was the day I got my CDL and, and actually started driving. And then from there, I actually spent, um, about eight years in a, uh, truckload capacity with a very large company. Uh, and then also spent, uh, three years at a smaller organization where we actually used McLeod as a, as our TMS. Uh, operating system. Hi, Robert. Um, this is Jody, and thanks for having us today. My background um, is actually in IT, uh, focusing mainly on data and reporting. Um, I got involved in the trucking industry as a favor to a friend uh, who was looking for some help with programming at a truck leasing company. Um, a couple of years later, the owner started a trucking company and asked me to come on board to help with the implementation of a new software package. During that time, uh, I learned the concepts of lane analysis and profitability analysis. I moved into operations and was able to take the lead um, with the data analysis that were available through McLeod Software. I ended up as the general manager for this 120 truck fleet. And we were able to make some big differences, uh, taking a look at our data and doing some things with those. Now, my focus at McLeod Software is on creating solutions that will help our customers succeed and mostly focused around their data. Um, I'm the product owner for profitability analysis and for our pricing module. I'm also a customer advocate and I visit our customers regularly, which allows me insight into their business and how we can help them uh, do what they need to get the most out of their investment. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. So our topic today is profitability. And uh, we're trying to figure a good starting point with this. And I know most companies look at revenue minus expenses equals profit. Well, I wish it was that simple, and we all know it's not. Um how do you start to advise people to start analyzing their data and to see their profit? Well, you know that customers differ in how they want to measure profitability. Um, as in all of trucking and logistics, no two companies are run the same way, even if they're moving the same freight. 
in the same part of the country. They still do their business different and they want to see their profitability different. So in that, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can start looking at it depending on what's important to you. Um, division, terminal, uh, look at your customers, look at your order types, your lanes, uh, your revenue codes, your things like that. Let's talk about recognizing your revenue and where it's coming from. You mentioned revenue code. Elaborate on that, Jody. So that's a really great place to start. Uh, your revenue code really represents your revenue stream. And you can analyze um, the revenue and the costs associated with generating that particular revenue code. So that, that revenue code might be something that represents your terminals, your different locations across the company, across the country. It might represent different trailer types, whether you're hauling van loads or reefer loads or flatbed. Um, your revenue stream might be by your type of customer that you're hauling freight for. So any of those ways um, are a really good place to start with a high-level picture of your profitability. From there, you can move into more detailed analysis, like looking at a particular type of freight within a particular customer or looking at your lanes and how where you're hauling your freight makes you profitable or doesn't make you profitable. Yeah, Jody, it's, it's interesting you talk about those revenue codes. You know, I, I remember I was working for a uh, open deck uh, carrier, and we didn't have revenue codes. So we had a flatbed fleet, a machinery fleet that hauled RGN trailers, and we had a heavy haul fleet. Well, on the P&L, they all rolled up into one uh, into into one division, and it was profitable. But we always had the you know in the back of our minds, we always thought. Our flatbed division, with that rate per mile, we can't be making any money. Like, it's a break-even at best. Uh, but because we didn't separate out those revenue codes into our division, you know, we had no way to tell. So, you know, I probably looked at a P&L, and I tried to break it out probably about a solid 20 hours one week until I just gave up because I couldn't get there. Uh, but once we were able to actually break it out by revenue code, then we could see that. It, it was actual that our flatbed fleet was losing money and our machinery and heavy haul was doing all the heavy lifting and, and making that division look better. So once we actually broke it out, you could actually see which fleets are being profitable and which ones were not. You know, what's cool about doing the profitability analysis like that is you can take your actual costs for running that fleet and apply them to your revenue code or apply them to that revenue stream. It's not just one big picture of your P&L as a company. You can get really specific and look at those costs, how they apply to the revenue. Yeah, and that, that's really where I kind of banged my head against the wall because I didn't know what the costs were. You know, I didn't know you'd have to break out every single driver, how they got paid, uh, your dispatchers that were dispatching different divisions, benefits. Uh, I mean, just everything associated, uh, advertorials. You name it. Um, and, and that's what really kind of had me stop after 20 hours and say, I can't, I can't get there. Uh, we have to break it out by division and by, by revenue code. One, one other thing that, you know, you talked about was looking at it from a uh, lane or a trip perspective. And 
And when I was working for a uh, team uh, team division, we used to look at it just from a a one trip mindset, uh, not a round trip mindset. Which you know I always push for a round trip perspective, but but the difference there is if you're looking at profitability by one lane or one you know one load, you may make let's say you're going to go from Minnesota to uh, Montana, and you're going to get 220 a mile. Now, that's going to look really great on paper, but when you look at it operationally, the backhaul you're only getting maybe a you know a buck twenty, and you got a deadhead 300 miles to go get it. So that head haul of say 220 per mile now looks more like an average of you know a buck 35 or a buck 40. So I used to you know I used to have issues with with our team because some people would only look at that head haul um, profitability and not the big picture from an operation standpoint. Did you guys ever run into that? We did. And for us, um, where I was, our customer would shotgun us all over the country. And because it was our customer, we'd go wherever they said we should go. Uh, once we started looking at profitability, uh, more specifically down to the lane level like that, we realized that that rate per mile wasn't the only thing to take into account. Sure, that, that rate that customer was giving us was great going into a certain location, but, you know, what was that backhaul, just like you said? And then, you know, what are the other things that are the impact of it, too, such as tolls? How do those feed into it? It made a big difference for us when we started looking at that big picture, and we started deciding where we wanted to go. We were able to really take our freight and that shotgun approach and create some density in those lanes and decide where were the main places we wanted to go based on that total profitability, not just that singular, singular rate per mile. Made a big difference for us with our company and also for that customer. You know, we were really successful then because we figured out what our niche should be for that particular customer instead of trying to do everything for them. Yeah, we had that that same that same uh approach too. So we used to have the shotgun where hey, we're just going to go everywhere, get try and get your best rate per mile and then we'll figure it out along the way. Um so that approach had us at about a 96 OR, you know, operating ratio meaning we were just getting about 4% profit. Um, and once we looked at it, kind of how you were talking about, from a density, from a state to a zone level, you know, we'd look at heat maps to see what states were our top states, right? Where were we getting the best rates out of there? And that's where we sent boots on the ground and told our sales team is, hey, uh, the Georgia market, uh, Texas market, California, Washington, Minnesota, uh, Chicago, Illinois area, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania. Those were those that are those hot points for us. We told our sales team is go out there and get customers that, that haul these lanes. Uh, and that's really what changed our, our operating ratio down from that 96 OR down to about an 84 in about four months. Um, so we added about 10 to 12% in profit just by looking at 
the high profitability states and just keeping in that network. Because if you if you break that network and you just take a, a good broker load or, or a good you know third party load, that, that's great for that load. But then, like you said, that that backhaul is going to put you out of position again. You're going to take a hit on that rate per mile, and then you got to get another load, less rate per mile, to get you back in the network. Uh, so the less you you, you break that network, um, the better. That's really cool to hear your perspective on how uh, looking at your lanes made a big difference with your business and, and the operating ratio, especially. You know, one other cool way that we used our lane analysis and our profitability feeding into that was in recruiting. So you mentioned pulling your sales team in and, and getting loads and orders and customers based on your lanes, but we also used it with our recruiting department. So we took a look at where we were going once we decided where we wanted to go um, and then took our driver map where our drivers were domiciled and laid that over our lanes to make sure we were doing two things. One, we were picking up freight where our drivers would be happy because they were able to get home more often when they were hauling freight in where they lived in that same area or in a lane, for instance, between Minnesota and Texas, where we'd go a lot, you could see a great uh, map of how our drivers fit in somewhere in between Minnesota and Texas. And then the other thing is we identified where we wanted to be recruiting. So, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't focus on places outside of our lanes, like Chicago, for instance, you know, that, that would take our drivers um, out of their normal routes to go home. So they're not happy, we're not happy, and our customers aren't happy. If we could get drivers along those same lanes, you know, they could they could easily make a stop on the way home in between loads. Uh, we have more coverage for our customers, and we have more opportunities for our drivers. So the recruiting department really took the lane analysis and ran with it for a while. It was very, very cool to see. Yeah, that is that is nice, and, and we actually had that same issue too. Is uh, we would initially we were our truck count was down, so we just said, "Hey, hire any or any team anywhere in the U.S., and we'll we'll figure out how to get them home, and then we'll we'll figure out how to get them out of the house." Um, but then, like you said, that you quickly realize that your turnover is going to be higher, your customer service levels are going to be down. Um, and you're not going to be able to get your drivers home on time. You're not going to get them out of the house on time. And if you do get them out of the house, it's usually on a poor paying load with a high deadhead. And then another yeah. followed by another load that that's paying cheap and more deadhead just to get them back in the network. So now their utilization's down. Your overall rate per mile is down. Your deadhead percent is up. Utilization's down. Uh, and your customer service is down. So once we kind of figured out exactly what you did and we said, hey, here's our six or seven states that we do really well in, let's just focus there and let's recruit there and we can actually pay the drivers a little bit more to entice them to come work for us because we're going to get better revenues. Uh, our rate per mile is going to go up, deadhead's going to go down, our costs are going to go down, recruiting costs are going to go down, turnover's going to get better. Uh, so we had that exact same uh, mentality and that same approach. Guys, you start looking at drivers and then you, you got to 
go into tractor profitability? I know it's a hot topic. How, how did you guys look at tractor profitability? Well, you know, everyone wants to see which one of their tractors are making money, which ones aren't. Um, but there's so many factors that play into that calculation. Um, you can look at that to see, um, are your planners taking cheaper freight? Like you said, um, Mike, are they working really hard to get their drivers home and they're catering to those plans? Or are drivers' miles down? And that makes the cost per mile increase um, inappropriately because they're not running as much as they should be to cover those costs. But, you know, when you start looking at tractor profitability and you, you see that, um, if you start bringing in those maintenance costs and things like that, you have to be really careful not to confuse that tractor's profitability with your customer or your land profitability. A, a bad winter month of accidents and repairs um, could negatively affect that profitability. And then you're looking at your customers and your lanes thinking that isn't the way to go. When in reality, you got to take a step back and see, you know, why that tractor is not profitable. What is that big picture that you need to look at to see whether it's profitable or not? From talking with customers and, and, and prospective customers, I think their biggest struggle and the question I always ask them is, what's your average uh, maintenance cost per mile? And I would say the majority don't know. Uh, that, that's one of the biggest struggles is you need to find out what's your maintenance cost per mile? What's that average? Uh, and, and you can do that by fleets uh, or you know by year of, or year make models. Uh, but you need to figure that out and you need to plug that in as your cost uh, basis. That's going to help you determine that, that tractor profitability as well. That way it's just a uh, level playing field. Uh, but I think to start, you, you got to figure out what your maintenance uh, cost per mile is on your, on your assets. Um, and, and one thing about measuring uh, tractor profitability, it, it's interesting. I had, um, I had a dispatcher years ago who would uh, pay his drivers extra uh, just to, to get him to haul uh, you know, undesirable freight. Meaning, let's say instead of a drop and hook for 500 miles, it was a live load, live unload. Well, he was paying all of his drivers an extra 20 to 50 bucks on every single load. Um, and we actually caught that just by looking at profitability by trucks, looking at, you know, why, why are these costs higher than everyone else's? Uh, and then you kind of dive into each, each load and, and look at, you know, what, what are the costs associated with it? Um, so it was interesting to, to kind of catch it that way. That's a great way to look at something like that, too, because then if you know that you need to pay your drivers more because it is not the best load, you can take that and turn around and hopefully go back to your customer. And then you price that freight accordingly to take to, because you're taking in those extra costs into consideration. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, it's nice to use this, too. We did rate increases based off of this. So if, if we saw a location that, um, you know, on that heat map, maybe it's not a green location, maybe it's more of a yellow and that, that, that rate per mile is down and um, you kind of do your analysis and, and you see that it's one specific customer. Uh, well, we would use that again. We'd send the sales team out and say, you know, find loads from, from Texas to Washington um, or back to Georgia. Um, if not, then you need to go to that customer and, and do a rate increase uh, because, you know, we're not being as profitable here. Uh, so we need to kind of 
continue to keep our options open, develop that pipeline, uh, but also, you know, stock rate increases as well. Yeah, just because you agreed to do business with that customer doesn't mean you ever agreed to lose money. So you need to watch that, um, the, the bottom line too with that customer and really work that relationship where it needs to be worked. You know, maybe they have a, a different segment of freight even that would be more profitable for you. And then you have to open up those conversations with them once you realize where you need to be in order to be profitable with a customer. Yeah, especially when you start to increase your service levels, you know, they're going to trust you more and they may have lanes that they didn't tell you about initially because, hey, they weren't sure if you were going to be successful with them or not. Uh, I remember we had a, a large customer up in uh, northern Seattle and they gave us some loads from uh, North Bend, Washington, all the way down to uh, Miami, Florida. And now the rates down in Florida were, were very poor, but you know, knowing that, knowing going, knowing that rates down there were poor going in there, we said, Hey, we're going to need either you to pay us an extra 600 miles of deadhead or we're going to need another, you know, five or six cents per mile on this load. Uh, and they would absolutely pay it just because they knew that we could service this high, high visibility lane for them. And it was like 3,300 miles to go from North Bend, Washington down to Miami. So, I mean, you plan couple couple loads of those a week um, at this high paying freight uh, they're going to pay your way out of there so you could deadhead if you wanted to um, or you find a, a, a decent load to get you back up to Alabama or Georgia uh, and right back in your network so you could even use it that way too guys I'll pose this question to both of you how is ve- velocity measured and is it is it even measured in most companies you know, you take a lane like um, you were just talking about, Mike, that was from one end of the country to the other, and the miles are high on it. Um, but it also comes into consideration is that velocity. And the velocity is really just the speed at which your freight is moving. Um, is it something where your guy can just get on the road and go? It's open country, and he's got the pedal to the metal, and he's going. Or are they doing freight that causes them to stop frequently, get stuck in traffic, um, spend a long time at a shipper or a consignee? And so all of a sudden, that rate per mile that you're getting from that customer isn't quite as important if that is slow-moving freight and it's causing you to not be able to pick up as much freight as you'd like or not get as many miles on your driver because that velocity is slower. So it's it's another neat aspect um, that we took a look at, especially, too, at, at the company I was at. We um, had different types of freight, too. We had uh, van loads that were just pick and drop, and we had loads that were multi-stops. And we had so many drivers tell us that um, they thought those multi-stop loads um, were were took too much time. They thought they were spending way too much time you know, unloading the freight at the different places that, that we'd have them stop at. We took velocity into play and it was very cool to look at those two different scenarios because we found out with our appointment times and the amount of time we spent at some shippers and companies that that multi-stop crate actually was moving faster than the stuff that was just the one pick, one drop loads. 
was neat to be able to take that back to a couple of uh, my key drivers and, and show that to them. Once they realized, you know, here's your actual numbers, guys. This is, you know, when you picked up this load and delivered it and when you picked up this other one and delivered it. Um, when you have that data in front of you to go to your drivers with that, it can be very convincing. Yeah, we had that we had that similar situation. Um, and we had a team of people managing velocity for a couple months just because it was such a hot topic. And we were losing drivers left and right um, just due to lack of miles, lack of utilization. And we started looking at velocity. And what we looked at was, you know, certain certain orders, certain lanes, and certain customers. And we found a lot of freight that was a live load, 200 miles live on load. It paid a ton of money, but in the in the long run, the drivers are only getting paid for 200 miles, and you'd pick it up today, and it wouldn't deliver until tomorrow night. So I mean, you're you're talking 200 miles over a 34 hour period. Um, that the velocity was at you know less than, than I think five miles an hour, just because you're sitting for so long. Um, so we had that similar situation where the lanes that they thought they weren't making much money on, like those multi-stops, um, those paid the best. Uh, and they kept the, kept the trucks rolling, kept um, revenue coming in because you've got all those multi-stop charges. Um, and then your high-paying freight that's not utilizing the drivers, you know, we had to get rid of a couple customers just because of the velocity was so low. I'd much rather haul a, you know, buck 50 load at 500 miles with a 50 mile per hour velocity than a, you know, $250 paying freight at 200 miles over a two day period. Um, and some people understood that and some didn't. So that was our struggle is getting, um, you know, getting finance to, to understand that perspective from an operation standpoint. Guys, you talked about hiring drivers and, and most companies, do they really know how much they're spending on hiring drivers and, and how does profitability lead into driver retention and hiring the right drivers? I don't think a lot of companies understand exactly how much they're paying. Um, a lot of people just use that hey, it's $5,000 per driver. You're taking all your marketing into account. You're taking travel arrangements, hotel, um, sign-on bonuses. Um, so it, it's always changing. I think when I looked at it from a, a, a very close dollar standpoint, it was, I think it was like $3,200 uh, per driver, uh, but that was with no sign-on bonus. Uh, there's some companies out there doing $5,000 sign-on bonuses, so it's it's probably more around that 7 to 10 range. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's very, very expensive. And I think, you know, looking at profitability by lane, you know, we, we both touched on it earlier. Um, you know, hiring them in the right location and making sure that you have freight that's going to get them home and out of the house that's in your network, I think is, is very valuable from a uh, hiring and, and retention standpoint. Because the, the more you can, I mean, drivers care about how much are they going to get paid and what's their home time looking like. I mean, those are the top two, top two things. And as long as you have a strong network, good pay and you know a good team that's going to get your trucks home 
and plan them out of the house with that good paying freight that you've analyzed and you know is profitable, um, you're going to have to hire less drivers and uh, your turnover is going to get better. So you don't have those recurring charges of, you know, turning over 100% and, and you know, hiring 100 drivers every year just to turn over 100. You know what I think is key there, too, to what you're talking about is the fact that you can pull that all into one place and analyze it together. You know, you have a system that allows you to to look at your revenue and look at all those individual costs all together in one place, make it easy for you to analyze that on an ongoing basis without having to take a lot of time to do this um, this great data analysis, you know, once a year when you're redoing your budget. But the key really is to have that information at your fingertips and be able to access it quickly and see what your numbers are and make changes as quickly as you can to your hiring practice, your retention policies, all of that. Mike, you said the other day in a conversation, one thing that helped you was know ahead of time what's going to be on the P&L before it comes out. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, some of the, the struggles that I always had was we were always looking in uh, in the rears by 30 to 45 days, you know, because typically a, a P&L is going to come out usually on the 15th of that next month. Um, and it's going to encompass the last, you know, 15 to 45 days. So what I like about analyzing profitability is, you know, loading up your cost templates ahead of time. So you actually know, you know, day by day where you're making money, where you're losing money. Uh, you, you have a good sense of, you know, what's my operating ratio going to be at the end of this month? instead of waiting for every little minute bill to come through before your finance team says, okay, you know, it's the, the 14th or 15th or 16th, you know, everything's in and it, it's close as we're going to get to it. So let's go ahead and submit everything and send out the P&L to everybody uh, to analyze. So then you're, you're trying to analyze data that happened 40 days ago or 45 days ago, um, you know, in comparison of, profitability, you can look at it day by day. So it's the decisions that your team makes today, you can act on them tomorrow. And it's fresh in their mind. You know, you can't go to um, your customer service team and say, hey, why, why were you booking these loads 40 days ago? They're going to say, I, I don't remember the circumstances. Um, you know, they, they can't recollect everything that happened. So you can't really coach them um, and get better. Jody, I'll pose this question to you. How's the best way to start to educate people to make better data-driven decisions? You know, from my own experience and from all of the companies that I visited, um, teaching them how to use profitability analysis, the one key factor I found is having one person that takes the lead. You can have a whole room of people sit in and learn about how they should be doing profitability. But unless you get one person to take ownership of doing that analysis, um, it won't happen. So that's your starting point is to have that cheerleader, that person who looks at the numbers and says, okay, we've done our analysis for this month and this is where we need to be going with it. These are the changes that we think need to be made. And then somebody, of course, has to take those and implement those in the team. 
Um, but that one person with the ownership can can start really forging uh, a difference in how the business is run. And then you got to get the rest of your team on board with it, right? They all have buy-in if they know the why. Why are you doing these changes? Why have you told us that we should take this freight instead of this freight? And you've got real data to support that. So you can share that data with your team. Um, give them the reasons why you're doing things. Show them the profit or the lack of profit in some of the decisions that they're making so that you get their buy-in as well and they can support you and work harder towards that final result. You know, one of the other things I did is I put together a cheat sheet for my planners. So once we've done our, did our profitability analysis for a while, um, I got my team together and, and we made some decisions on where we were going to take our freight and what lane specifically was one of the things we focused on. And I just laid that out for my planners. If you land in Texas, I want you to first find a load home. And if you can't find a load home, here's your top three choices of where you should take the freight to. And on top of that, here's the rate you need to get if you're going to go there. Using profitable analysis and the data really took the guessing work out of it. You know, you, you didn't just look at that rate per mile. All factors were considered. And then they could follow those guidelines that you put in place for them. So that's what, what my team did. And if they wanted to vary outside of those guidelines, all they had to do was run it by, you know, one of, one of somebody in management, either me or their operations manager. Somebody just talk it over with them and say, you know, this might not be the most profitable, but here's the reasons we're doing it. Took a lot of the guessing work out. And it also reduced that, um, the ability or the, the dependency of, of picking up the phone and getting that very first load that was offered to you when they had guidelines in place based on your profitability. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You, you really need to trust and act on the data. Um, and, you know, just like you said, it's not always taking the easiest load or that first available one on that, on that search list. Um, it, it's doing the due diligence to make sure you are taking the, the best load, not the easiest load. I know we're inundated with data from so many different points. What advice would you give a company on some of the commonly overlooked focal points? Yeah, I would say you know, our biggest struggle was uh, make sure that operations and the finance team are looking at this together. Um, you know, I think both have great point of views, um, but I think if, if they're working together on this, um, you know, that's where we were really able to move faster uh, and, and make better decisions. Um, you know, before we had silos put up where uh, the finance team wouldn't share the data with operations and operations would complain about the lanes and the drivers wouldn't be getting utilization. Um, so there was that breakdown. And until we broke that, that barrier down, um, it was a struggle, but once that came down, it was much easier to shift our network into a more profitable way. Uh, our drivers were happier. Uh, I mean, we went from averaging, I think it was like 750 miles per truck on the team side to just under a thousand, uh, just by 
updating and changing our network flow. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really nice tool and it's a really nice way to look at um, look at profitability from a driver utilization standpoint because uh, the driver's happier, everyone's going to be happier. When you talk about overlooking um, some particular focal points, the one thing I see customers not considering, you know, we've talked about the big picture, the the divisions and the terminals and the trailer types and the customers and the lanes, but, you know, you could even start breaking it down into the little things. So when you can't change those big things, um, like which customers you're dealing with or which division you're hauling, you have to take a look at those smaller pieces and see what you can change. So things like what day of the week are they loading or unloading? How much time are they spending as a shipper? Um, look at your commodity. Is there one commodity that you're hauling that's just going gangbusters um, and you want to take that freight? What about the distance even? You know, analyze your distance that you're hauling your loads. Uh, anything over or less than 200 miles, anything over 200 miles. And compare those individual pieces of profitability. Um, when we have the, you know, the driver shortage that everybody talks about, um, you only have limited resources, limited assets, uh, limited carriers to deal with if you're a brokerage. Um, how do you make the best use of those pieces that you do have? Which freight do you decide to take? based on all those little pieces because there's something small that you could just tweak or look at that would allow you just to shift your resources just slightly to be more profitable. Yeah, that's really good advice. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining us today to Jody and Mike. Uh, if you have questions, email us at podcast at and you are listening to McLeod Insights. <laughs>